everyone, it's episode 346. Man, we are only four away from 350. I just remembered, we as I said. We have a plan, that, right? Do we have a plan? We have a plan. Oh, wait got, a minute. We, we must have a plan. I don't think Anderlene's an avid listener of the podcast, and Oops. so she may not know that 350 is supposed to be a big deal. So, what about. What, and I'm not. That's I not. A, that's not. That. That's not a cut at all. I mean, you know, some people are podcast people. Some people are music people. Some people are do, like, my phone plays music. Or, I'm a but, podcast person, and I do listen. Thank okay. you very much. Oh, oh she and in your I place. guess Did what? I, just, I even shared the podcast recently. So right there. This is a, this is a yes. this is a fist bump. No, I know you have listened in the past, <laughs> and so I do know that. But maybe you didn't know because mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I don't. People miss episodes. Mm-hmm. Episode 350, we're trying to come up with something fun, some place to go. I don't know. Um, I don't remember you being at the one we did, which turned out to be the Italian pizza place, not the Italian gelato place yeah. <laughs> uh, over in Altamont Springs. But we're trying to think of something fun and some place to go where we could invite listeners to come and join us and hang out and you know, bring a picnic lunch. Uh, it's been the idea of doing it from the Princess Castle at Disney has been Ooh. thrown out there, but we haven't found a connection yet that can... Uh, we're working mm. on it. Get there. Where in the world are you, Tony Marino? <laughs> um, to, you know, should you choose to accept, uh, you know, maybe a brother could hook us up. But I'm just saying. So you know, be put. You know, talk to your tribe and, okay. and get get their input too, because we haven't invited. Hmm. I suppose I should send this out in an email to staff and just be like, hey, where could we go that would be a lot of fun and we could invite people to join us. Without it costing them $150 to be there. With oh, us. that's right. That's, right. Yeah, that, that, that's the point. Princess Castle. Well, maybe that would that would come with it, right, Tony? Like, <laughs> I'm with the podcast. I'm with Please the, let me in. I bet Whole I, Life Podcast Day at Disney. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I'm Only 10,000 people showed up. Oh, man, for their free day and a half an hour pro- taping of there a public podcast. Oh, that's that's so a pretty good, good deal, Tony. <laughs> Tony, <laughs> you're my friend, Tony. No, I love Tony very, very much. All right. This past week, if you did not listen oh. earlier to Speaking of Grace, our sister podcast, which if you swipe up, swipe up, swipe up, a new That's word, right. swipe up, swipe up. I, I like, like that. that. Me too. Yeah, swipe up in today's show notes. You can. If that's not a word. To. It should be. I'm. I'm going to put it into uh, Webster's and see if they'll uh, put that in there. It's a swipe and H. I don't know. It's a combo, but I like it. Swipe, <laughs> swipe up in today's show notes, and you can listen to. A guest speaker, Anderlene Brady, was Yay. our guest speaker this week. <laughs> yeah. And I did not get a chance. I was freezing to death at a campground up near Jacksonville and right on the ocean all weekend long. And so I didn't get a chance to listen to it until about 6 o'clock this morning when I started prepping for the podcast. Mm. And you had a, a really, really amazing message. It really struck home to me on a lot of different levels. Okay. And it was called The Called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the even the title was a little heavy, maybe maybe coming close to, you know, that velvet sledgehammer where we're just reminded that we're all called <laughs> as we give our lives to Christ. And mm-hmm. we 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 all of a sudden we join a club and we start going to church and you start to remember some of the things that seemed weird about it maybe, or maybe it was just me as a kid, like, you know, we're on, now we're part of an exclusive club. And then you get, you know, if you grew up in it, you get baptized and we're called, but you maybe don't really know what that means. Mm -hmm. And you shared some very personal parts of your journey. Mm -hmm. And I just, 
at the end of the day, and I, I just wanted to, as early on, you said we are all called to do something. And I know you explained it there, but just for anyone that may have missed the message, when did you know that you were called and when did you know what that calling was? Ooh, that's, that, a, that's, that's a tough good one. question. Um, I think I was about six years old when I first got the calling that I would be somehow connected to ministry. And I should probably clarify that my grandfather was a Pentecostal preacher. Okay. And so you were in church forever, like Sunday, <laughs> Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I think the only day we didn't go to church was Saturday. Funny enough, that was our day of rest. And so um, I just remembered being in church and all the time, and there was an orphanage on his property, and there was a church on his property, and there was like a whole farm on his property. And I've shared this before, that there was something about that triad for me that spoke something. And mm. then I had, you know, I started getting these dreams that would really disturb me. And I'm like, you know, someone keeps calling to me like I'm Samuel in the Bible or something and saying, hey, you know, come talk to me. And so my grandfather taught me how to pray and ask God to show me uh, who he is and, and what is his will for my life. And I remembered then that I would be just like my grandfather was the thing that echoed to, to myself. Mm. Grow up and a little bit more, and my mother decided to be the rebel and become um, a, a part of our church, uh, the Adventist church, and uh, she was the first. There was no such thing as being called to ministry as a woman during her time, so she didn't know how to cultivate that in me and talk to me about that, those kinds of things. Yeah, that'd be difficult. Um, and so, you know, you keep going, kind of like, you know there's something that you're supposed to do, but you wrestle with it and you're like, it doesn't look like anything that I know. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to do this because everything that I'm seeing just echoes bad, bad, bad. <laughs> it doesn't look like anything I know. That's it. That's it. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Keep going. That's, and so that's um, no guidance was given to that calling, um, essentially. And then it wasn't until about way later in my life, the Lord reminded me again, which was circa 2008 that he has something special for me to do and that's that was after coming back into Christ and taking a long spiritual journey between all the Buddhism isms that I could have possibly gotten my toe into <laughs> and finally coming back into Christ and um and him personally talking to me. Now, I was not at church in 2008. This was me in the Bible and Jesus. So I had to figure this whole thing out. And yeah. he reminded me again that he has something special for me. Clarity came maybe seven years later. Um, so there's a process of time when calling. Seven me, years. Seven years later. Wow. So from 2008 to about 2015, the Lord clarified through my service in church, actually. I followed my daughter, Danielle, from one class to the other. So when she was in creator role, I was in creator role. And when she was in the youth, I was in youth. So I followed her and, and taught like everything in the church and then became a webmaster and then did all these random things that I didn't quite understand why God was placing me in there. But later on, when he said, okay, you've learned enough, now it's time to go and I want you to go to seminary, I was like, Oh, this was a, a complete setup. <laughs> now I get it. You gave me all of that experience to know the ins and outs of a church. So I knew exactly 
what it was I was getting into, but then I also didn't know exactly what I was getting into. So did that did that bring you some comfort kind of knowing or was it even more scary? Because I think most people would say, well, well, I, I don't know what God's doing here and I'm not <laughs> sure I like it. So maybe I should back off and wait for the, the you know, the, the more pure sign, the, mm-hmm. the, the water and the, you know, like what should we do here? <laughs> Rainbow or something <laughs> that says something. Right. Well, you know, those seven years were essential for me to learn to follow Jesus. Like, no matter how random it seemed, I just listened to what he was telling me to do. And it took all those seven years to really get very strong about following those random calls and where to go. I think if he had done it earlier, I would have been like, there is absolutely no way. No. So in those seven years, I grew in faith and and focus on him. And so that's that's. So were you were you employed by a church or were you doing this no. out? You had a professional career I, outside of this. I was a layperson in the church and I had a professional career outside of the the church. I I was in banking, mortgage processing. I then went into uh, working as a administrative assistant at a business operations at a university. And I don't know if we have clearance to say the name, but no. <laughs> it's a pretty so, impressive university. <laughs> yes, it, yes, it is. Uh, if you listen. To the sermon, I actually kind of shopped them out. It was Harvard, wasn't it? I mean, was I not supposed to say that? No, I mean, no, but I I think your your story is super important because I think oftentimes people associate, and I grew up with this kind of thinking being quite prevalent that only people that work for God or work for the church are people like Ken and Jeff, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Jeff is, you know, a role is is small groups and counselor, but obviously a pastor who can preach a good sermon. And I mean, Ken's the senior pastor here, but everybody else, I mean, you just volunteer and it doesn't sound like, I mean, volunteers, I guess, I mean, you're called, but it doesn't sound like the same calling as as it is. But what you made me feel And I thought it came out really well in your message was that all of us truly are called. And then and now even hearing more of the backstory, it's even more prevalent that, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you've ever thought that you didn't somehow, you know, weren't called by God somehow, if you're at, I mean, if if you're, if you're doing anything for the kingdom, you're called. Mm -hmm. And that, that that was a point that I really appreciated about your message. That's really important. I think that um, for those of us who came into ministry and maybe a little bit more untraditional role like Anderlene and myself. That's right. Yeah, you did too. Um, you know, I think that we don't, I don't feel like I am doing ministry more now mm-hmm. than I did when I was working in a different career field vocationally. In fact, in some ways, I feel like I have less opportunities. Wow. Than I had when I was working in in other career fields, because as a pastor, you get this little label slapped on your forehead, <laughs> and well, yeah, you did that because you're a pastor. Oh, mm-hmm. Whereas when I worked in news and I did that same thing, it was like, why, why are you doing that? And 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 so, um, I really appreciate the, um, you know, what Anderling brought out and is bringing out, and that's you know, you're called, you're called. Wherever you're at, whatever mm-hmm. you're doing, um, you have been called by Christ, and, and and pastors aren't like, you know, the only people on earth who who have ministry to do. Exactly. In fact, I think we're more limited than hmm. than other people at times. Jeff, what? 
I kind of think it's um, it's important for people who are listening to hear this because a lot of times people are not going to feel like they have been called, especially if you know, like Anderlin, you mentioned. Um, I, you know, I, I felt at six years old or at, you know, when in 2015, I personal, in a sense, a personal invite. Some people are going to go, that's never happened to me. You know, I've, <laughs> I've, I have prayed for nights, long nights and not one word back. How did Anderlene get that? And I didn't. And so there's this, there's this idea that unless I'm put in a position or unless people validate, unless there's some kind of uh, evaluation that somebody outside of me is making, I don't mm -hmm. know if this is a legitimate call. And so I, I do think knowing that God calls all of us, and we may not recognize it, and there may be people around us that don't recognize it. That, you know, we have to realize that sometimes the calling is somewhat abstract right mm, and yeah. somewhat even uh, inductive in a way you know we don't have that you know signed letter or <laughs> um you know we don't have the in you know the personal invitation that you know and so i think there is a, a side of this that is strong faith you know anderlin showed the the call or i'm sorry the um, chosen. the chosen mm. which you had me at the chosen. <laughs> <laughs> Which was so interesting. She showed this call of Matthew. And by the way, that's one of my favorite parts. There's a lot of favorite parts that you all <laughs> yeah, have. Absolutely. But that is one of the favorite things that Matthew, I think, sensed there was a call, but it didn't happen until he saw Jesus' eyes. Mm. And everything changed in that moment, which was which was an interesting way of looking at it. But I think sometimes just having those moments and for Anderlene it was seven years yeah. seven years to kind of push through a validation you know that's a long time folks mm -hmm. well so I do think we need to realize that this calling and, does happen and as long as we're talking about the chosen I think that one of the things that can be very very discouraging is when the people around you are called and you don't feel like you are mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. or you don't understand yeah and, and you know speaking of the chosen, um, you know, if you haven't gotten into up into season three, I'm not going to try to throw any. I haven't yet, so don't spoil it out there. <laughs> oh, it's so good. But you'll, but Peter's wife in the in the in mm. the uh, series, they give her a name. Important to remember, the Bible doesn't, right? And right. that's all in the Bible. She's called Peter's wife, mm -hmm. and in. One of the things I really appreciate about this series is that they're making a point that that this woman struggles with what's Jesus is called my husband and he said there's something for me too but I'm not what, what am I it? what am I doing mm -hmm. because I mean am I supporting am I and so I think that a lot of us at one point or another in our life can really relate to that person who we see everybody else around us kind of figuring it out oh this is how Jesus has called me what he's called me to do and I think it's so important for us just to not forget that we're called, but the the being called is what's important. And sometimes the, the what we're going to do is less important than the fact that we've been called. I'm so glad you said that because that, that was going to be my clarification point is that we're called to Jesus. 
everyone. Right. Yeah. We're called to Jesus. The methodology of that calling comes as you walk with Jesus. And for me, it took all of that time, all of the journey, so that I'm able to speak to so many different people because it's the journey that kind of clarifies for me what I'm meant to be. So if I had to be even more specific, I would say the call is to commitment and commitment brings clarity. Mm. Because when you make a you can make a commitment to 100 women, you know, you all are married, (laughs) but that doesn't tell you who is your wife. Right. Right. Okay. so when you make a commitment to one person, there are very specific things that you do with that person that lets you know, Okay, this person is going to be the long haul. It's the same thing for with Jesus. I feel like as you commit yourself to following Jesus, everything else falls into place. He clarifies he is a God who speaks. So I. I don't think we need to be so hung up on, how am I going to do this? Just trust the flow with him. So what I'm kind of hearing you is saying, and what I, I mean, is that um, sometimes we feel like if we don't have anything to do that we haven't been called or if we right. haven't figured it out and and we put the, the well, this is what I'm supposed to be doing in front of, well, I can't be called until I know what it is I'm supposed to be mm-hmm. doing, when in fact it's the opposite of that, that you've been called and then... God will let you know what it is he's calling you to do at the right time. Correct. And sometimes there's a there's a little bit of a waiting period like Annalene was talking about in her life, a, a little bit of a you know, just rest a little while. Yeah. Just sit back and observe. Go ahead and, you know, take care of some sheep for a little while mm-hmm. and then I'll let you know. Ooh, that's good. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll let you know something else later. But it does get into the whole idea and that's where most people I think struggle is that, okay, I'm following God, but what's my purpose? Right. Mm. And, you know, what, you know, how do I define this walk and how do I, in a sense, contribute? And that's usually a lot of times what people think about. So that is, that is a really good point. I think that we have to start looking at this from the standpoint of my work is following God and following Mm -hmm. Jesus. That's my work. That's what I do. Yeah. After that, the definition and the the purpose starts to be revealed, and it may change. You know, it changes just yeah. like that. You know, you think of the disciples and how their lives changed so drastically over those years of ministry. Well, and I think the again speaking of the chosen, that the way they have purposefully uncovered and started to peel back the layers of Matthew and of other characters, where everyone comes in with this idea with what their talents are and how <laughs> Jesus is going to use them. And, yeah. you know, yeah. Matt, and, and, you know, poor Matthew is like, well, I always knew I was different. I always knew I was good with numbers and, and organization. And then um, Thomas comes and he's like, well, yeah, I, I'm totally good with all of these same things. And then I forget who points out, well, you know why you hate him so much? He's like, you two are the same person. And he's he looks at him and he's like, no, I'm not. And he's like, well, you guys are both now calculating the chances of, and he's like, oh, you know. And, and right. it's, that, it's that frustration, though, that you real that I think I, I, it's nice to see it personified, whether, I mean, obviously we have no idea how everything actually played out, but seeing it personified and, and reliving all of that in your own <laughs> rookie. No, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Sorry. That, it happens to the best of us. But relating that to our own journeys, and and when you said you had, you know, like dreams, I used to have dreams as a kid and even up into my teenage years 
where I used to find, I would dream about preaching to huge crowds of people. Hmm. And I'm like, I have no idea. I'm like, there is no way. Even maybe as a kid, I would have maybe thought, but like, there's no way that you're ever going to speak to a, 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 a large group of people. And then one day you find yourself at church in front of six or 800 people preaching and going, <laughs> wow, that was weird. Or doing a podcast that thousands of people right. listen to every week, right? right? Right. And so you just, you don't know. But in the meantime, um, the other thing that I wanted to ask you about was you talked about, you know, being qualified to to follow Jesus and entanglements that, you know, that we all have to go through. And in that process, when you're you're kind of waiting your your seven years or however many it is, and you don't even see the opportunities because mm-hmm. they're not you're not looking, you're looking for something different. I you know, you're looking for something completely opposite that you believe. What keeps you connected to just be patient and wait for that process? I used to pray all the time, like, Lord, just like take whatever it is mm-hmm. and 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 raise it up on a two by four and smack me upside the forehead. So when <laughs> I look in the mirror, I can go, oh, is that what you wanted? Fine, let's do that. And that's not the way it works. And you kind of feel, I always felt like I wanted a shortcut <laughs> to find out, like, like, let's just do it. If that's what you want, let's just do it. But mm-hmm. there's just so much that he has to prepare you for. And when you look back, you find those. How important was that in who you are today, you know, with what you shared to be the person that is leading a very large church in amazing ways into community justice mm-hmm. and just making uh, making us more aware and more empathetic to the need that really was at the heart of Jesus' ministry? That's a good question. Um, let me unpack that just a little bit. For me, I think when I look at the weight and the journey and all of that, um, what personified me hanging on were the relationships. Mm. So I had a relationship with Jesus And then he in turn put me into places and spaces where I had to have relationship with people who were unlike me. So I would hang out at bars. I would hang out in, you know, like I I went to really weird places, (laughs) y'all. So forgive me. It was very strange. (laughs) But things that no one else was called to. I would hang out with the homeless, you know, on certain days. And and so I begin to build these relationships that I didn't quite understand why they were important, but I just kept following where Jesus says, okay, go give that person a cup of coffee, go talk to that person, ask them how they're doing and smile at this person and wave hi, hug this person. Like literally you can hear the Holy Spirit prompting you in ways to show love. Mm, Right. And I think sometimes we forget that that in itself is a calling that relationship and displaying the love of God because he's poured it into you you now pour it out to your family to your friends to your community all of those things are part of the calling and purposeful intentional living with just following Jesus and if you look at the chosen he didn't call just Matthew and say okay Matthew we're going to put you into tax vocational work and do all these things no he puts him into very difficult situation where he is now going to be antagonized by people who look at him as the betrayer that he was. And so to a huge extent for me, I feel like part of my job as a pastor is to help people get into relationships that they would never have considered and really learn from one another, talk to one another, break those barriers and break those differences and get to see the person intentionally so that as Jesus 
develops you. You're, you're, you're seeing those calling come out of all of these relational uh, landscapes. So that's what kept me going and kept me moving forward until it got further and further ahead. Now, what was the part two of that? No, that was it. Okay. That was it. No, you covered it. And But did you get pushback from people? You said you went to a lot of you know, weird, weird places. And a lot of us have been on that journey where people that you met when maybe you weren't even thinking Jesus, you weren't quote unquote, a a Christian because you weren't going to church. You weren't overtly trying to live any lifestyle other than just Mm -hmm. whoever your parents raised you to be. And then whoever you branched off and decided to be from there. Right. (laughs) And, and, but did you ever get pushback from like your parents or Mm -hmm. church or friends? Like, why are you hanging out with those people? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, there, there were very, uh, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't be going to these places because those are barriers that are going to cause people to fall and flounder in their faith. And, and, I heard it all. I've heard it all. But the reality of it is, is that someone has got to go. So the question was, why not me? And you felt like, and no, no ifs, ands, or buts. You felt like God was telling you, this is where you should go. Well, it, it, it's I would be walking, and he, and I just feel this strong sense of this person needs your presence right now. Just go. And I went. That's awesome. Um, So I just learned to listen very carefully to what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell me to do. And sometimes it'll be a scripture that morning. It will recycle in my mind. I think as you walk closer and follow Jesus, he will show you how to listen to him and how to follow him as well. Because, you know, he he says his sheep will know his voice. And so I had to trust that, that tug and that pull forward despite the comments. That's awesome. Yeah. Those are the best interactions anyway, <laughs> is if you really hear it and then you actually do it, that's the best. And sometimes they were surprised to me too. I'm like, oh, okay. They're going to think I'm crazy, Lord. So, Okay. Here's a random question. Not that it means a whole heck of a lot, but it was one that as you were preaching, it, mm-hmm. it came to my mind and I just wanted, and you guys, if you have any other, you know, any other insights, um, but do you think that Matthew was more hated for being a tax collector or being a follower of Jesus? Because after, after I started thinking about it, and, and not just due to the chosen, but just doing after you've read the Gospels a bunch of times, which I always end up going back to the Gospels because I really enjoy hanging out there. But, you know, how despised he would have been. And because sometimes I think we also look and go, oh, man, that person could never be, mm-hmm. you know, a follower of Jesus. And it's like, well, you know, you can't win either way sometimes because you think, well, if I do what. God asks me to do, that's going to be better than what I was. But in, in like in his case, like you can't win, right? You get called and you're, and like you said, you're st- he was still like, oh man, but Peter, that's not me. I, I, you don't even know what this guy's done, do you? And it's like, yeah, I think I got a clue. What do you, what do you think though? What do you think? I'm going with, he was more hated as a follower of Jesus eventually. Mm. Wow. Wow. Actually, that's that's a new one. I, I guess he would have had to be comfortable with the hate in both levels. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're hate you're hated for one part, and you get used to it. Okay, I'm hated, but I'm making a profit, and now you're hated <laughs> for another thing. You're actually trying to do good, and so you have to be okay with that as well. I don't know. I 
I just thought it was interesting know. because you're really, it's one of those things that no matter what you choose, you just don't win. Like his, to me, his status didn't really change, change. with anyone probably other than Jesus, mm. maybe for quite a while. And I don't know how close he may or may not have gotten with the other disciples or with other people throughout his ministry that of things that we don't know. But just from what you can tell, it just seems like there comes a point sometimes in your walk where you're like... Now, I have tried to do everything that God's asking me to do. I'm listening. I'm doing those things that Anderlene's talking about. And I still don't feel like I'm maybe connecting or maybe I'm on the wrong path. That may be the difference there is 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 the call. Mm. Is the call is what makes the difference. You know, if you're hated for being something that you, you're not sure you even appreciate yourself, <laughs> then that's one thing. However, if it's something that you actually do appreciate I'm so glad I made that decision and yeah. people hate me for it then you know what I can live with that the, mm -hmm. so in the end I think Matthew would say either way I I was going to be hated but you know what I made the right right call so I I you know people are going to have judgment it doesn't matter you know we all look at those kind of things um if you if you try to make change, you're going to be you're going to be on that somebody's judgment strike list. Yeah, so. yeah. I feel like I'm going to speak directly to that. I when I um, worked in news, uh, news is a is a field where you get critiqued very heavily. Yeah, it's true. Um, <laughs> it's true. And, and 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 disliked <laughs> by <laughs> by people on a fairly regular basis. Uh, and and my um, I was. I was the reporter that you didn't want showing up at your house. I was the one that, if you were in trouble, I was. Uh, that's that was my assignment. Getting to and the bottom so, of this. And so there was a lot of critique that I got. A lot of I, you know, I had people that did not particularly care for me on a pretty regular basis. And I've found as a pastor, um, there are still people who do not <laughs> particularly care for me. Um, and uh, and there's a lot of critique in being a pastor. There's a lot of, of people who have strong thoughts and opinions. And I think that probably one of the more hurtful things that, that you can say to a pastor who cares is that you're leading people astray. Because like, I think the last thing most of us who are pastors would want to do it ever be to lead somebody in a different direction than the direction Jesus is wanting them mm -hmm. to go. I mean, that's just, just not something. And, you know, and so you get those kind of critiques, but for me, the difference is, is pretty vast. I think that the judgment has been harder as a pastor than it was in news, which says quite a bit about, about <laughs> being a pastor. But at the end of the day, it goes back to what Jeff said. I have a lot more peace than I when I was in news yeah. because I don't I know that I'm following my call and if people don't like it or don't like me there are times where I genuinely mess up but there are other times where it's just like you don't like what God is telling me to do and that's that's your problem not, I I can't do anything other than what I'm being asked by God to do and I can live with that at the end of the day um, whereas in news I just there would be days where I just feel really dirty at the end of the day I feel really bad about I did my job. I did it ethically, but I also knew that there were people that were very hurt by the by things the that I did. Mm -hmm. um, and and so for me, if I can imagine being in Matthew's position pretty easily, and I think that Matthew would never go back to what he was before, before. even if he was hated more as a follower of Christ, just because when you're called by Christ, there's there's such a peace in knowing yeah. that you are where God wants you to be, and that you're doing what God wants you to do. That's that's um, you can't put a price tag on that, and yeah. what other people think matters a lot less. Well, yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. Well, towards the end of the message, you you left everybody with three things: being exposed, being connected, 
and being secured. Mm-hmm. And being secure, you said it was being locked into Jesus and uh, really like what Jesus has done in your life that causes you to to desire that deep compassion and mercy that you talked about. Mm-hmm. But the first two didn't sound that much fun. <laughs> you know, like, 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 like you wrapped it up nicely. Wow. Like if you would only do these two, you know, like if you do this, if you get to the third one, man, that's where you lock in. And sometimes that un- has its own set of uncomfortable directions, mm-hmm. uh, places you might go and things of that nature. But the first two, it's like being exposed. No, thank you. <laughs> and for a lot of people being connected means that I'm already out of my comfort zone because mm-hmm. it's not my thing to be. Why can't I just be by myself over here and just me and Jesus do stuff and we're connected, but I don't have to connect really with other people. And then I can, I can get to that secured place <laughs> and I'm kind of in just my happy little bubble over here. But what you're talking about, and this is why I thought your message was so powerful, were those first two when you described your journey and what you shared extra with us here today really shows the beauty in those, even if it's confusing or even mm-hmm. if it's uncomfortable or even if it's the you shouldn't be here, you shouldn't be doing it this way, or like Ken was talking about how you can only do what God wants you to do. What do you tell someone who's like, I think I'm I think I'm not ready to step into the exposed phase <laughs> to get the ball rolling. Wow. You know, and that's the problem when you list things, people kind of think like they all have to happen in order. They can happen all in tandem, right? And yeah. or they can happen out of order. You can be secured one time or you work your Yes, I got Jesus today. And then your kid will do something and all oh, you got to be back again. You're, there's that part of you that's exposed, that anger, that energy, yeah. you know. And so I think uh, with regards to taking those steps, they happen naturally, right? You go If you go to therapy, they tell you uh, if you don't deal with these things, if you don't talk about them, they tend to fester. It's the same thing. It's very much biblical, right? It's that um, there's parts of our lives that we know are not like Jesus. If you're looking, if you're looking to be most like of most of our lives, well... <laughs> 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 you know, it's it's a natural progression. Like as you try to focus in on your faith and be intentional about following Jesus and the Bible and what he's calling us to do, there are parts of you that will display barriers. You know, um, I had to be OK with being a female pastor. You know, that's that was a barrier for me because I've always seen the Bible as only male dominated. And I was like, well, he speaks in he's all the time. Like <laughs> I have to go beyond that and go deeper and find out, well, he know, he means all of humanity. So there are barriers in all of us that keeps us from being um, more in tune with the Holy Spirit and his steps for us. And so that's what I mean about exposure. It's more of like Jesus becoming more of your personal, your your coach, your therapist, mm. and allows you to see yourself in ways that you probably would not have considered. Wouldn't have considered. Well, I was not in the minority in any uh, any far stretch, and because I pulled up a, a, the chat transcripts mm-hmm. uh, right here before we started taping, and I just wanted to give you a little affirmation from what people were saying in the chat online, and what you may have heard from people in person afterwards. But that crazy coyote said, "I just have to say that I'm really enjoying your musicians this morning," and that really set you up. You were mm-hmm. I've never seen you on second service as the one I watched. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen you more comfortable, not that I've seen you that many times preaching, but you were like in the zone. And and it was really 
due to to worship mm-hmm. and, and the worship that happened. And so shout out to Albert and yes. Melanie and everyone who really put even our online viewers in that space to hear your message. So mm-hmm. praise God for that. Anonymous said, how many how many of us today would would throw it all away? you know, to do what you're talking about and and exposing yourself to God and to, you know, finding that security. And an Olympic Peninsula rod, now you're challenging Nashville Tim here. So so if Olympic Peninsula, well, that's like the Northwest. Yeah, that's up in Washington. That's what I'm saying. So I'm like... Hey, Rod, glad you're... uh, Yeah, I'm glad you're listening. And if if this is you, I mean, you're you're in tight running now with Nashville Tim. Uh, said, wow. <laughs> See if we can move you down here to Florida, it's, too. Yes, you might be next. You never know. This might be one of those subtle signs that we hear about. Um, <laughs> but Olympic Peninsula Rod said, wow, compelling and heart-touching sermon. Thank you. And um, other people were just um, saying kind of the same thing. And, you know, praise God to who has never failed me or my family. And Sharon said, like the God spark comment, there is no one God cannot forgive and redeem if the answer is call. And then followed up with, let's be different and make a difference in the world we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, Sue said, what a wonderful message. May we all take it through us with us this week and throughout our lives. We are all children of God's family. And I just thought that was... And she followed that the family of God will endure together and work for us until the Lord comes. And I just thought that, you know, people were 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 right in tune with you the whole time. And so just want to say again, I thought it was a fantastic message. It really, it really, and, and the last couple of weeks I've been struggling with, uh, like last week, like maybe someone is missing the part where they're okay to come to church or they're welcomed here or they're wanted here. I would never want anyone to have a sermon. And not that Ken wasn't clear in what he said. But it, it, from just my past, it was something that it made me nervous all week. And so last week, we were completely in a different line and in the podcast, and that maybe just was me being neurotic. But I really felt like you brought it a full circle that no matter where you come at or what your path is into this, we're all called, we're all equipped. Mm. And like you said, it doesn't have to happen in any specific order. order. Just be patient and... Uh, that was just an exceptional message. So thank you so much. Thank you. And it's good to have you here. Every time yeah. you come, Thanks it's, for coming. Always, it's yeah. always a good message of the podcast. So that was week two, two. Of, of this. Of the So we had the invitation. We have the called. And now this week we're back with Ken with the... The response part one. Ooh, the, looking oh, forward to it. Oh, great. Ooh. The response. Now we have to do something and it's only part one. <laughs> how many I parts? Is, I think you'll feel relieved when you, when you find out what you how have many, to do. How many parts are there in the response, Ken? Two. Oh, well, maybe we can make two. So, I'll, I'll just go ahead and give the listeners uh, the... Uh, oh, ooh, the, sneak yeah, peek. Yeah, Here we go. So the, um, I want to suggest there are two responses to Jesus' call. Um, two that, Christ, that Jesus is looking for. Okay. And <laughs> there's, there's been many Thank more. Thanks for clarifying yeah, that. Yeah. Thanks for um, the the first is um, come and see, mm. and the second is um, follow down the road. Okay. Ooh. So this week is come and see. Nice. Ooh. Well, if there's anything you'd like to add to the conversation, we're always looking to hear from you, the listeners, 407-965-1607 for text messages, or you can leave a voicemail. We'll play it right here, if you don't mind, or podcast at wholelife.church. And so we're into the response part one next week. And I guess that's it. I don't have anything else. So, Anderlene, any parting words? 
go and love your world, as Ken likes to say. <laughs> All right. That, that, Excellent. I, I fully support <laughs> wow. that. All right. Well, that's going to do it. Thanks for listening. Keep sharing and have a great week. 